Okay. Uh, this is WKCR SM New York and WKCR HD1, and you're listening to a pre-recorded podcast, which is going every week here. Um, I am at the moment in Croatia, and I'm recording this uh, uh, from my home there. I'm visiting, and um, I'm usually um, interviewing students and uh, people from uh, the Columbia MFA program, and Sometimes I do also professors, and today with me is Tomas Wu Daniel. He is a professor, a full-time professor in printmaking. He was teaching me uh, uh, how to do silk screens. He's involved with uh, a lot of like this uh, bookmaking things which happen at the uh, uh, visual arts department. And uh, I'm gonna read his uh, short bio now. Uh, you can. I mean, uh, look it up on Wikipedia, but I just took the first part and which says, Thomas Wu is an American artist whose primary, primary media are painting, printmaking and installation art. He was born in 1963 in Saigon, Vietnam and moved to El Paso, Texas at the age of 10. He received his BFA from the University of Texas at El Paso in 1987 and his MFA from Yale University in 1990. So, the song we just heard uh, was Tomas's selection. Uh, it was uh, Revolution from the Beatles. So, hi, Tomas, how are you? <laughs> hi, hi, Stefan. Thank you for the introduction. It's quite lovely. You do have a nice radio voice, by the way. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't it, know. It sounds very smooth. And I, 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 you know, I've heard it a few times, but I, now to hear you talk, it, it sort of, it's nice. Anyway. Yeah. So revolution. Yeah, what's what's this song? Why did you pick it? Um, well, I have to go back to uh, 72, 73, when I was still in, living in Vietnam. Um, uh, I live right on the coast where, um, of, uh, of, of, of South China Beach, where the American military have a huge base there. It's where the, uh, they, uh, they go there and it's, uh, and rest, and they, there's a there, there's an area there where they can surf. It's one of the mm -hmm. best surfing points in Vietnam. Oh. And this is in the name, right? And anyway, um, and I used to have this little hustle on the side where me and I had three mates who we were on the same, but same age, nine and ten years old. We would run around and um, carry surfboards. Mm -hmm. Back and forth from the from 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 my place to to the beach for the to uh, for the American GIs. Sometimes we would rent these boards because we would we would have them because some of these uh, boards were left over. You know the GIs would go there and they would leave it when they go get deployed back to to the state. And so I had a I had a, a few of these heavy long board, which you know it it took like three or four of us to carry one of these board back and forth from my house to, to the beach. Um, but anyway, so I met this young American GI and um, he introduced me to the Beatles. That was the first time I've ever heard of the Beatles. And, um, and actually he taught me how to surf. It was, um, it was one of those, you know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about, um, um, my past and my the narrative that I had with these surfboards, because yeah. I you know right now I'm, I'm 
Um, I've been uh, shaping surfboards for the past almost eight years. And so what I'm doing here is I wanted to do the complete Beatles anthology, which is uh, 210 songs total, you know. Aha, uh-huh. the uh, Beatles anthology with, yeah. with surfboards? Yeah, uh, every surfboard has one song. So oh. uh, I don't know if you've ever seen any of my Alaya's uh, surfboard. These are wooden surfboards that's made out of a uh, polonial wood. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what I do is I shape them. And these were early, early Hawaiian bo- uh, boards that was made by Hawaiians where they're, they're finless. So they're, and they were super thin. Um, but the wood is very, uh, it's, it has a buoyancy, but it's very strong. So, um, so that's what I use. And, you know, it's a very stripped down version. It's just uh, planks of wood shaped into the, in the shape of the surfboard. And it was designed without a fin. So you, on the edge of the surfboard, it's very sharp. So that's, that's the rail that you steer the board with. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to ride. You know, you're, the traditional surfboard now is these fiber boards that are thick and it's three inches, mm-hmm. two, three, four inches thick. It's like riding on a freaking canoe, you know. It's, that's, that's, but these earlier boards, it's super thin. It's very hard to ride. I myself can't ride these things. Um, the I, uh, so, yeah, the earlier ones. Um, so I actually normally try to get these pro surfer to ride my boards for me and film it yeah. um, before I, I show it. And so right now I am uh, the first album that I did was the, the white album. And then I did Revolver, Rubber Soul, um, um, uh, Sgt. Pepper and the Magical, Magical Mystery Tour. So I'm going down the line of the, all the, the albums that I like. I mean, in, in that order, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, so like every song is one board. If I... That's right, every song is one board. So on the, on the front of the, um, the, on the, on the writing surface, it's images of, that, of my drawings that I cut out with the, engraved with the laser engraver. And on the back side of it, so it's the side A and B, right? I mean, it's the idea of this, the early albums, which is side A and side B kind of thing. So the B would be the song that is etched onto the back of the board. So if Revolution would be one song, it's the complete text that's cut out, engraved into the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's the idea of it. And, you know, it's, it's about yearning or, or, or longing for this, 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 this period in time, because, uh, you know, for a while there, I, I was, I'm, I'm always working with the idea of this, the future landscape. But with no. this project, it became like, no, no, what happened? How do I find that pass, right? Yeah. How did so you see, what, but how did you see uh, this like surfing and Beatles culture uh, kind of from a Vietnam position? Did you see it something as like, like an invasive uh, thing or the uh, you the know, kind of invasion, the British invasion. Yeah, the, like uh, did did you see it as kind of very foreign? Did, how, did you like really, you know, like uh, like American culture and British Western culture? Yeah, no, no, actually, yeah, you know, when I was yeah, much, you know, at that age, you were only interested in. I was only interested in the song. I actually didn't even know 
uh, I didn't understand the lyrics. I just really liked the the sound of of of, of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what they were singing about. I just knew that I liked it, and I was very influenced by this young American GI. He was actually about he couldn't be more than nineteen or twenty years old. Mm-hmm. All American, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. Um, and what I liked about him was he was un- unlike any other. Uh, GI that I saw in Vietnam, he was one of those kid who just sat there. Actually, he had a dog, right? Mm. Um, that he he always sat with, and he, you know, most surfer get out there and they want to catch as much as many ways that they can. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he didn't. He just sat there and he waited. He just, you know, it's like he was lost into this kind of uh, um, moment where it it was all about just sitting there and reflecting or looking. Right. Yeah. And so I really liked him and I liked his dog. I play with his dog a lot. Yeah. And then so yeah. that's how we really became um, close. And then, and, you know, he would take me back and this is where he would introduce me to the Beatles, you know, and, the, the, yeah. and he, I, I didn't really I just knew that it was that particular kind of music. We didn't listen to anything else with him, by the way. <laughs> uh, and so it was kind of, it was like, you know, it, it was indoctrinated into this, this absolute fanatic. Uh, and, and so, but, you know, what's, what was weird is he's a boy from California who listened to the Beatles, you know. Yeah. So that's another kind of disconnect there, too. So just as much as I'm disconnected, I think he's disconnected. But there was something there with this, uh, with, with this. And I, so I've, I've, I've always been curious about whatever happened to him kind of thing, because we... Um, and I found out later, I mean, you know, when we were in his uh, barrack and all that stuff, he would show me the, the his rifle. And it was not your traditional M16 uh, rifle. It was more like a sniper uh, rifle, mm. right? Oh, in hindsight, that's what they are. So that's what he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he actually would disappear quite a bit. He would go away. And then so I actually, so what he did was he, I took care of two things for him when he was gone. I took care of his dog. And I took care of his surfboard, his surfboard, right? Wow. Those were the things that he, and then that, that was my, that was my friendship. And he was the only GI that I made friend with. But Everyone, every other GI that I was trying to hustle a, a dollar out of. But you know? I can't imagine he, like you as a kid, uh, just running around your parents, uh, letting you uh, go to the army people. I, I don't know how, how this dynamic kind of work oh yeah okay so my mother is uh she worked as an interpreter for for the the colonel there in the military base so mm-hmm. i actually the reason why i had full access to the beach with these gis because it's actually off limit to civilian there no one else can go on this beach but i, yeah, yeah, I was like how can right? i try so, and go? Yeah, exactly so that's how i made my business i ran a business and i actually uh, made all the deals, you know, I mean, with the little amount of English that I was learning, it was all about pitching English shows like, mm-hmm. uh, you number one, you know, you a okay. I mean, these are things that I actually learned more curse word than anything else with these, these GIs. They didn't teach, you know, that's what I, that was my, uh, my, my, my understanding of the English language. It's yeah. through these blends, you know, and through, through these kind of conversation with these guys. But it was the, the, it was all about, you know, they, I know they want me to go and fetch them a pack of cigarettes, right? I mean, these, 
these are the things that we hustle for. We run around getting things that I need. And I, I understood what they were asking for, whether it's beer, cigarettes, or something else. That's what I, you know, it's all about commodities, what they needed. And I was there to service it. So my mother, I, she, she knew that I was just hanging out with GIs. Um, but then she knew that I was taking care of this one particular uh, uh, dog for this one, this one GI. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do you remember this scene in the Apocalypse Now movie when they surf? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorite scenes with yeah. uh, Robert Duvall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it, it did, you know, obviously, um, where that scene was, the South China Beach is much lower. It's towards the middle of the country. That scene was a little bit higher. It's above Hue. Um, so, yeah. It's funny because, you know, Apocalypse Now, it's one of these movies that it was one of the closest movie that I can imagine to the kind of Vietnam experience, you know. Yeah, but it, yeah. the thing is that I didn't know about that experience until I saw the movies and I said, oh, that was my experience. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When you're in when you're in the war, when the fog of war, it's like I didn't, you know, it was the war. We I grew up with it. It didn't matter. I mean, it was my playground more than anything else. You know, it was a place yeah. where I hustle for, for, for money and, and all that stuff. Um, yeah. 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 I also can't believe when I look at the history of the Balkan Wars, I, I actually, when people ask me how I, how it influenced me, I, in that moment, you don't know it. It's, it's absolutely nothing you think it's wrong or it's just the way it is yeah, it was a way of life for you right yeah. you grew up with it and yeah I, just I, later I, you see in movies or in books or in interviews and stuff and yeah oh my god this is <laughs> this is yeah it, that, that's you're describing my what i'm trying to yeah it's my it's in my exact childhood yeah you know i loved it i mean you know we we used to sneak into the barrack uh the military you know the base there and there's this area of ammo dumps right and that's where they sort of like um, discard all the, the the bullets and all the things that didn't fire or misfire or whatever. They had to they had to put it somewhere. So there was just these piles, gigantic pile of these ammo, and we would go underneath the fence. We, you know, there were the, again the four of us, uh, four kids, just going in there, and we would. Um, steal these 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 ammo sometimes what we do is we look for grenades and stuff like that mm -hmm. and we look for because that's what you fish with right so fish. you take you, when you yeah you go on the beach you go fishing with it so with the, grenade. You, with the grenade if you find one so the biggest kid the strongest kid would um we would all stand there we don't stand near the kid with the grenade he has to stand somewhere else just in case it it miss you know it doesn't work Right, so he stand on one side, and we stand probably about, you know, twenty yards away from him, and we all have this fishing net, like a little, little uh, fish bag that we, and then we all stand there, and as soon as he throws it out, what you do is you look for little sparkling waves of um, in the on the ocean on the beach, on the ocean in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And when you see that, that's when he throws it there because that's a school of fish, you know, creating that vibration so of the meaning yeah. little waves. So you throw it out there and the explosion, what it does, shock the fish. Oh my God. 
right? And the, so the fish will float up into, and they're, they, they're paralyzed. They, they just float right up on the surface. And you swim out there as fast as you can. Uh-huh. And you try to get in there. As, you try to put in as much fish in your net as you can, you know. And that was, you know, that was, it was a game, but yet it was a way to get fish, right? Yeah. yeah. And oh so, God. and I think sometimes the, the, the hunt is more like trying to find a grenade, get a grenade, you know. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that we did a lot is like, um, so there were these big, big um, bullet that, um, the artillery bullets, you know, mm-hmm. and they, 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 they shoot out of these freaking, uh, the, the cannon. I mean, I can't remember the name of it, but you know, so the bullets, it's almost as big as, um, one of us, you know, it's tall. It's really tall. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, um, uh, 12, 16 inches long. You know, it, it's, it's round. It's super heavy. We can barely carry one. Each one of us can carry one. So we would, yeah. those were the things, those were the real price also, because what we do there is um, we would, we would take it and on the beach, we would um, take the, the head off, you know, with a rock, you just smash it, bend it, and then you pull, you take the bullet head off. And then what you want in there is the black powder, mm-hmm. you know, the gunpowder. And you, what, what we do is the whole day we would try to do this, get this thing and build a little mountain of gunpowder right yeah and run run a trail out and then normally it takes all day to do this kind of thing and by the end of the day when the sunset is coming around and we're we would light this thing and it it would just fire off into the you know the trail of gunpowder going off and it would right when it hit the big mound of gunpowder the explosion it creates this gigantic black mushroom you know, against yeah. the, the fiery uh, um, sunset. And it's one of those things that, you know, that's all we did. That, that was our entertainment, you know. And did you get into trouble? <laughs> because you, like, Tru- stole ammunition? Oh, and- no, well, well we, we never got caught. I mean, uh, you know, we would always dig this little tunnel right near it. And we were very, we were tiny little kids. No one could ever saw us, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, yeah, it was just one of those things that absolutely you that it goes back to what you were saying. Well, it was just a way of life, you know. Mm-hmm. It didn't we didn't see the war. We saw what was happening there as entertainment for us. So how we were going to do the daily routine. It was yeah, yeah. it was every yeah. Yeah, because the front is not everywhere. It's Right, right, right. Yeah, the, the, the you know where we live, you know, the front is, it's much, much farther up. You know, obviously, um, the, the one time that I remember the war, it's uh, during the Tet Offensive, right? And this is in, in um, 68. It's when, uh, it's when the North uh, Vietnamese Army uh, attacked the whole South Vietnam all at the same time during the the Tet Offensive, which is the New Year's. It's the mm-hmm. um, Vietnamese New Year's. Yeah. And um, because we were so distracted with the holidays and all that stuff and everybody's celebrating with fireworks and everything. So when gunfire goes off, you just don't know, notice things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's how they were able to, to advance and attack all, oh my you know, God. all at the same time. And that really wiped uh, the, 
uh, South Vietnamese out for a while there. Um, the, a, a few American bases were lost. And the one that lived that was near us, it was one of the, uh, it housed one of the biggest um, napalm, uh, you know, this is where they load up all the planes with napalms. Mm -hmm. You know, and these, the napalms are these barrel, drum barrels, right? Yeah. And, and, and that the fuel in there is what uh, makes the napalm um, go off. Uh, anyway, so from my house during this time, you know, we were all hidden under the bed and all that stuff when, when, when this first started. And there were, you know, and somehow the napalms field got hit. That's where they blew up the thing. So all night long, you can hear these gigantic explosion. I mean, you can you literally feel it from your house, my house to the base. You can feel the the, the intensity of the vibrations of the, the explosion. And actually, so we would look out the window at you know at night, and then you can see these canisters go flying up in the air, explosion, explode up in the air because it was over so heated up and everything. So it looks like liquid sky, you know, it's just like flame and melting and falling rain of, of, of these, these, these uh, images. I mean, I, I did a lot of paintings based on that narrative alone yeah. um, called Napalm Morning um, many years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. I so, thought... but it's that kind of description that, you know, I'm like, it, but I, but that was the closest to war that I felt, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But then you moved to Texas, like very soon, actually at the age of yeah. 10, kind of, it was six, mm -hmm. 73. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, I was 10, right when we moved. Um, mm -hmm. What happened is my father uh, was killed during the war. Yeah. And so my mother remarried uh, to an American GI she was working with at the military base and she married him because she knew that the war was uh was um we were losing the war and she knew it i mean you know she worked at berkeley with these uh colonels and all that stuff so so she knew and she was able to get us um well she married this 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 gi and when when in 73 when the american troops were pulled out of vietnam the war was not over yet the war didn't didn't end until 75. So in 73, the, um, my, uh, uh, my mom decided, I and mean, when they pulled her out, what, the, uh, what this GI did, he, he adopted all of us. There were six of us all together. Mm -hmm. So he, he married my mother, adopted all six of us, so he, and then he yanked us out. Oh my God. You know? And that's where I got the name uh, uh, Thomas Daniel, because that's wow. the name he, was, he gave us. You know, oh. his last name was Daniel. My Vietnamese name was stripped away. I mean, I've lost, uh, we lost all of our identity at that point. Yeah. You know, and he was a religious man. So he actually opened up the Bible and he named us all the saints name, you know, Joseph, oh. Patrick, oh. Thomas, Martin, all the, all the saints, right? Oh. Um, so it, and, it was, was it your El Paso, Texas was... Uh, uh, there with him or yeah yeah he, he took us there because that's uh, el paso had the one of the biggest military base um fort bliss it's called uh at the uh -huh. time and that's where he was restationed you know what i mean 
after yeah. the, the war, he, he, we, we were stationed there. And of course, you know, El Paso is, it's, I mean, the war, I, I, in hindsight, the war was really nothing compared to what El Paso, Texas was like for me, you know. Yeah. We were dislocated. We were stranger in this, this foreign land. I mean, I remember flying in, looking out into the, uh, into the landscape, and it was just as we're getting ready to touch down. Um, the, you know, it was, it was in February, so the landscape was just, there was no vegetation at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just like us flying into Mars. It was the landscape was orange, brown, and whatever else color, mm. right? There's yeah. no vegetation that you can see as far as the eyes can see. And uh, just imagine that live, leaving a country which is lush green uh, jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the opposite. flying into flying into Mars on onto Mars landing as far as we were concerned. Yeah. And so that was already the landscape was a huge um, um, difference in terms of um, um, what what it, that experience, right? I mean, this yeah. this whole thing and not being able to speak English properly. Yeah. Was the other problem? Yeah. So. Um, so you know, and they and the other thing is they never saw Vietnamese before. We were um, the first. This is before the boat people, the, the refugees, and all that stuff. Remember. Yeah. We're two years ahead of the boat people or any of those issues. So we were one of the first few Vietnamese who lived. I know we were the only Vietnamese family in El Paso, Texas at the time. You know? Yeah. So should we uh, go to our next song or do you want to tell the story about yeah, yeah. or first? Okay. Well, no, no. Let's go. Let's go to the next song. Okay. Uh, and well, I guess we have to play the song before I tell you the story, right? Yeah. I would. Okay. You know what? But let, but let, if let's just play the song and then we can come back. Okay. After. Which song are we playing? Are we, we are we playing the Itsy? Yeah, Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dotted Bikini. By oh, the okay. One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, okay. Let's play it. Okay. Let's play. it. WKCR FM New York and WKCR HD1 with Thomas Wu and we just heard Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dotted Bikini uh, chosen by Thomas so Thomas has, <laughs> okay. yeah so why did you choose this song? <laughs> it's such a silly song but it, it was one of those songs that sort of made an imprint on me and, and no matter what I do and it even it, it has an effect on me today um, because okay so what happened is like so when we first got to America, we, you know, they, they shoved us into the school system, right? Mm-hmm. So I was, because of my age and between, between the things, they shoved me in the fourth grade. Yeah. Um, and so I was, it, of course, sitting there all day long. I, you can't communicate with anyone. The teacher doesn't speak Vietnamese. We don't understand what's going on. So I sat there all day just 
just making drawings, right? So I think I, my whole family became artist, artist type kind of thing, architect, artist kind of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's that was that was the thing because we all were conditioned. We didn't have anything else to do, so we sat around and drew our past experience. I drew a lot of war scene and Bruce Lee fighting sequence, you know, flip books and all that stuff. But anyway, so. But w there was one thing where in music class, we all had to, you know, there were these, uh, they had these performance things, right? And so I was asked to, uh, or they had this play that we all had to participate in. And so I was asked just to stand there uh, holding up a towel with uh, two other girls, right? So I was in the middle and there were two girls on the standing the next to me and we all had this towel and there was this kid uh who uh would sing this one song and i didn't know the song i which is this very song here and he sang the song he danced around us and all that stuff and at the end of the song we dropped the towels and we run off the stage well anyway so a uh, couple of days i think a week before the 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 big performance um I was given a note by the teacher to take it home to my mother so she can get me the stuff that I need for this, uh, this, 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 this one performance. Yeah. And uh, I bring it home to my mother. I don't even know what the note said. I didn't understand it. And so she looked at it and she said, she was confused. She said, you know, she had to get this blonde wig and a yellow polka dotted bikini. And so I'm sitting here and she's, she doesn't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. You know, because all I've been doing is just very something very simple. I stood there and dropped the towel and run off after the song ended. Well, the night of the performance, or the day of the performance, around you know this, it was right after school and all the parents were there and everything. And it was, and it was wasn't performing in the classroom anymore. Now we're in the gymnasium, you know, yeah, where every yeah. there are hundreds of seats. Well, it seems like thousands, quite frankly, but there were hundreds of seats, and I can see my parent, my. My stepdad had to come. The parents had to be there, and all of my siblings were sitting there, and they were near the front row, and I can see them, you know, and all this stuff. And I realized at that point that I had to put on a blonde wig and wore these tiny little itsy-bitsy, teeny yellow bikini. I had to wear this thing oh my with God. the other two girls. They were both blondes, by the way, and I had blonde hair, so there were three of us. And you know, coming from Vietnam, I was skinny. I was, I was, a, I was actually skinnier than than the two girls, practically. And of course, now it dawns on me that oh my God, I have to stand there, hold this thing, and run off stage, where everybody can see me wearing a bikini, right? And so now I realize, now I realize what I what's happening. It's a performance, and I have to do this. And now there's no there's there's no out for me, I am stuck, you know. Yeah. And I, I you know, we're like a good thing we we all supposed to do. You know, we were, I was being a good student. I was doing what I was told, you know. Mm -hmm. And this is that was it. I mean, so what happened there is like I, um, you know, I'm standing up there shaking and everything, and I see my stepfather. He's got this look of shame. You know, and 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 all the kids knew what was happening, 
and oh. they're laughing. You know, they're laughing because they see this Asian boy with uh, uh, with blonde hair, and they knew what was about to happen. They know the song. It's the itsy bitsy song. So they know there's a yellow polka dotted bikini somewhere in there, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there. I, I'm dreading the fact that this. I have to drop the towel and run off. And I waited. The song must have seemed like it went on forever. And so, um, of course, I, uh, you know, the song ended, and I dropped that towel, and I, I almost ran the girl in front of me over just to get the hell out of there. <laughs> but what that did, what that did for me, it's like I actually have, um, it's not stage fright, but once in a while when I'm giving lectures or when I'm talking in, in a large group, I have these flashbacks to this one very particular thing. And it, it's a trigger that I can't stop. And once it goes there, I, I have this uh, kind of freeze moment where I can't remember anything. Everything becomes discombobulated and I can't regain my, 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 my train of thoughts. Oh and, it's, and, and, it, and it's brutal because it's still, we're talking about close to 40 years later and I'm still feeling the effect of this. Not the fucking war. I'm, oh shit! And not the war, yeah. but this one very thing. Yeah, it's yeah. Anyway, so how old are, how that's why I picked this song. I was ten years old. I think I might have been eleven at the time because it was past my birthday. So, so, so yeah, you basically came to the U.S. and just uh, a couple of months later, you, you were wearing a bikini. <laughs> yeah, a couple of months. I mean, it was barely a couple of months, and I was wearing a yellow uh, bikini with, uh, you know. Yeah, with with a blonde wig on. That's I mean, you talk world. about welcome to the first world. <laughs> yeah, welcome to America. As far as I mean, that, that was yeah, that was that was brutal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so what I you know all the experiences with America early on, it was like I said, it was it was very hard because like I said, the war was nothing. Um, not understanding the, the cultural landscape there was quite yeah. difficult. Yeah, you know, I we also had, were. The rednecks there were, were really, they, they chased us almost every day after school, throwing beer bottles at us or trying to run us over with their truck because, you know, <laughs> there, was a great, there was a great distance between my, um, my, my, the school and, and, and my home. Oh. There was a just vast, gigantic desert that we had to walk through. And we, we couldn't take the bus because we got, we got um, beaten up so much on the bus that we decided it was better if we just ran home. Mm-hmm. instead you know so in the beginning we took the bus but that that didn't work out so well for for me my two older brothers and my younger sister yeah um, you know, it was just it was it was very hard so so we we actually decided to run home and then of course when on the way home there's always a bunch of rednecks out there with shooting shotgun you know hunting rabbits or there were just gigantic jackrabbits everywhere and rattlesnakes in this yeah. desert so and, and, you know, and they're drinking, they're, they're hanging out drinking after, you know, in the afternoon, you know, yeah. and uh, we got so harassed that we actually, well, actually, I'll tell you a story about this tiger trap that we built. Um, we used to build a lot of tiger traps to catch uh, uh, dogs and make fun of, I mean, you know, try to get the GI to fall into these traps, right? And we uh-huh. filled it with all kinds of stuff. Anyway, anyway, so. What happened is uh, when uh, when we were um, 
when we used to walk, you know, when you're walking home or you're running, we were running home because, you know, we want to get home in time to watch Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, that's where we learn English the most. <laughs> With Sesame we, we, Sesame Street, you know, of yeah. all things, you know, because in, in school, we didn't learn anything. We were good in math and, 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 and art and stuff like that. But anything else, we, we were sitting there without. So what we had to do is re, re, relearn everything from, you know, from, from, from Sesame Street. But anyway, mm-hmm. so we were, uh, you know, and it would, we would pick, get picked on by very same group of guys, you know, um, they, they would drink out there and they see us. And they, in the beginning, they would just throw shit at us mm. uh, and stuff like that. And then uh, it got to a point where they would get behind us with their pickup truck. And they would just, what they want to do is they want to try to make us run faster. So they get behind us and start revving up their engine and just push, you know, make us run. And, and this went on for, you know, a while. I mean, we were able to, you know, it became a game. We see if we can outrun the truck, kind of thing. <laughs> and then one, and then uh, one time, what the truck did is um, it hit my sister. My sister was the youngest. She was, I think, she might have been eight or nine years old at the time. And um, she fell into this cactus bush, and her face and her whole body was filled with cactus. It took us hours to pull every needles out of there, right? Yeah. And so. And, and we were, I mean, we were pissed at this point, me and my two older brothers. We wanted to get these guys. So what we came up with was we were going to dig a hole big enough to get this truck to fall into, right? Yeah. And that was the, that was the tiger trap that we wanted to do. And so on the, on, on, um, right after that ha- incident, there was a weekend, right? So we, we planned to go out there on Saturday and Sunday with three shovel and we were going to dig this hole that's big enough to get the truck to fall into. And so of course we went out there and you can't do it on the main trail of the, uh, of the, 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 the path, because, you know, a lot of people go through there, there's all kind of animal that runs through everything. So we had to find this trail that we normally run and then find a side trail that we can pull the, the truck into. And so we did that and we found this one trail and we sat there and dug and dug all weekend long and, you know, blister, you know, the hand got blisters and everything just because um, the thing is the dirt out there, the first um, couple of inches were fine. They're soft sand. But when you get any deeper, it is dry, dry, dry dirt. It's very hard to get any, you know, to, to, to dig through there. Uh, and so we spent two days and we barely got it to go um, about four feet deep. Now about, well, it seems like four feet, you know, about four, three or four. Yeah. And then it wasn't even a, a big square. It was like uh, really deep down and then it goes up like a ramp, right? We couldn't dig anymore. We couldn't get any more in there. That was a problem. And so, um, but we did it anyway. We, we, we set the thing, what, you know, you get a bunch of twigs and shit like stuff like that. And then you put a brown paper bag to cover that. And then you get dirt to cover that to camouflage it. So you can't, so it looks like just a regular path. Right. Mm-hmm. And 
So the, 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 the thing is that we're going to tempt these guys to go chasing after us and get them to get the truck to drop into this, to this gigantic hole that we just dug. <laughs> and so the plan is, yeah, my oldest brother was the fastest. So he was going to, you know, we were, we were, we, you know, we're running by them. If you run by them, you flip them off and then they would chase us. Now we're provoking them. So Monday goes, you know, so school start again. So now Monday comes and we're like, yeah, this is great. You know, we got the plan all plan out. They weren't there. Tuesday comes around. They weren't there. And we go back and check the trap. And, you know, there's a bunch of holes in it because the rabbit had gone, fell through or whatever. So we had to fix that. This went on to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They weren't there. We're like, what happened? You know, they're here every day. And now we have this trap for them. They didn't show up. But anyway, Friday comes and here they are. They're out there drinking and everything. Right. And so we're walking by. We, my oldest brother threw him peace sign as soon as they see it. He, you know, we do this in Vietnam a lot. You throw a peace sign to the GI. And if they don't give you something, if they don't throw you some ration, you turn the finger, you flip your hand over and you, it becomes a birdie. You, you mm -hmm. flip them off. We did that to this GIs. I mean, to these rednecks. And here they come. They all jump into the, the truck and they're driving really fast at this point. They're pissed, right? How dare we flip them off? So they, and now we're running. Me and my, my, uh, my other brother grabbed my sister. We're, we're holding their hand and we're running down this thing. And my oldest brother had to run a little bit slower because he wants to lead them into the trail, right? Mm -hmm. but, uh, and sure enough, we, t we turn one way and my brother takes them to another way. And we go, and he goes flying and he has to jump this hole to clear it so the truck can just go right into it. And sure enough, you hear this big gigantic, we, we, we hear this gigantic crash, right? And uh, the, uh, the truck went right into the hole. And the crazy thing is we dug deep enough where the door were trapped. They can get out. Oh my God. Right. And so my, so we run over there and I, they're stuck in there and thank God they couldn't get, cause there were three of them in the truck and they had a shotgun behind them. You know, they had these, everybody carried shotguns. They had the shotgun rack and they had the shotgun, but they couldn't get that. They couldn't maneuver the shotgun around. And so what my, my, uh, my, my other brother did, and we used to build, this uh, zip gun in Vietnam all the time to play with. And that, what that is, is a 22 caliber uh, bullet with a little uh, pipes and, uh, and you strap that onto uh, like a, a handle and then with a rubber band and a nail, all you do is just put the bullet in that, that will hold, the pipe will hold it. And then you just release the, the, the rubber band and it, with a nail and it fires it's like a gun. It's a, it's called a zip gun. And so my brother pulled out the gun and, uh, you know, we, cause he did it just in case that something might've happened and didn't work out. We have to use it. But what he did is he fired one right into the windshield. Right. Mm -hmm. It didn't hit the guys, but it scared the shit out of them. Mm -hmm. And then we walked and then we ran off, we ran home, you know, with great enthusiasm and you know we didn't of course we never told my stepfather or my uh, mom about any of this thing right as far as they mm -hmm. know 
we were taking the bus home kind of thing. And, and then we're, we're, and all of a sudden we're eating. So we're eating dinner and everything and we get the doorbell rang. And it was the sheriff. Well, they came because those guys, you know, complained that there was this Vietnamese family who, and we were the only Vietnamese family in the in 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 that area in in El Paso, so they knew where to go. They came over, and I didn't understand. We we didn't know what they. My stepfather was out there talking to them for about twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and then um, and then he shook the sheriff's hand, and they walked. They went off, and my stepfather goes in the house. He picked up my brother, yanked him outside. Uh, into the backyard, strapped him up um, with the, um, with the um, tie him both of his arms up into, you know, um, back in the days when there were these clothesline that's in the shape of a T, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so he strapped him up on the T and, t- and ripped off his clothes and got his belt and his, mil- his marine belt, which had a metal buckle at the, at the end of it. He just started whipping my brother. He, he didn't, you know, he whipped them, beat, his back was all scarred up, bleeding, and he passed out. And my mother's on her, the ground begging my father to stop this, this whole thing. Um, but anyway, so that, at that point, I knew, I knew that my father, my stepfather was not on our side. You know, he was white and he was not going to change his way and, you know, mm-hmm. we were at wrong no matter what. I mean, I knew he was a racist. I knew my father, my stepfather was a racist, but, you know, to to what degree? I mean, you know, but it, yeah. it, not to say that, that that act was a racism. There was any racism. He just, he he was never going to listen to how we had to defend ourselves, right? Yeah. He didn't care. But I would the, rather be beat up by him than get revenge from the rednecks. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, yeah, the, uh, the good what interesting enough is revenge? that they, they, those rednecks never, we never ran into them again. Oh, whoa. You know, so that was the thing. It, it was oddly enough, we were actually, obviously we changed up running um, the path. We ran on a different uh, path, which we went around things a little bit longer. It, you know, it took us longer to get home, mm-hmm. but we, 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 we didn't want to use the same path or same tr- dirt trail. Yeah. So, uh, okay, uh, you know, we, we are coming to the end of, of our 45 kind of minutes. Wait, already? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, shoot. I, I, I meant to, I, I want to talk to you about the floating world and all that stuff that we, we were thinking about. Maybe. Okay, well, so the next song we play, you can't play it because uh, Echo is 23 minutes long. Yeah, right? I will play one minute of echoes pink floyd okay play one minute of echoes and then uh what's the other one? Oh no no i i really you should play um paris texas first you want uh okay i'll play paris texas right from raikuda now yeah raikuda the soundtrack okay. of just the the first song on the soundtrack which is the paris texas okay let's let's listen to that song
yeah so so here we are back and we have uh, five more minutes to hear a little bit of uh, uh, of uh, what, what else did you want to say I know you have this project which is something uh, has something to do with the floating world yeah well so um, well that goes back to the uh, I, 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 get, I have some land upstate that I've been thinking about and especially since uh, COVID and all that stuff you know I've been up here in isolations and all that stuff but I've always had this um, this idea about creating spaces for, for, for artists right mm-hmm. so uh, I have about 38 acres of forest land and what I wanted to do and in Green County where, where, where I am uh, you can build, build a structure uh, 10 by 10 mm-hmm. without any sort of uh, uh, you don't need um, li- uh, how do you permits or anything. You can build this structure, and you whatever it is, you're allowed to do it. And so, uh, I was working with an, uh, uh, a friend of mine who teaches uh, um, at Columbia in the architecture department. And we were going to do this these ideas of uh, uh, sustainable uh, uh, pods, almost similar to the um, Andrew's Hotel. Um, mm-hmm. uh, project out in uh, Joshua Tree, right? So the idea here is to create a, not a competition, but just group of artists, architects or whoever it is, come and they can have the land, they can have the 10 by 10. They built a structure. There's some funding involved where we were trying to, I didn't want to make this into a nonprofit space. Um, You know, talking to Mark Dion about um, um, Mildred Lane, he, he suggested it's a bad idea to, to make a nonprofit thing because there's a board and all that stuff and you can lose your land and all that stuff if, the, if you don't get along with the board. So I decided I was going to try to do fundraising myself uh, with, with, with the help of some other people too. So every year I would invite a group of artists to come and build um, uh, a sustainable um, um, pod but it, the, the idea of the floating world, it comes from, you know, it's, 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 it's very literal. It's unlike the, 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 the Japanese floating world where this becomes where everything in the forest has to go up six feet off the ground. Mm-hmm. And these pods and these, 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 these canopy, whatever, you, whatever it is, it, you built it and then it's yours. It's, it belongs to the artist who built it or the architect or whatever, whoever that is. But um, when you're not using it, you, somebody else can come and use it. But then, but if you're there, it, it's you have the that it becomes your 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 pro, you know, your 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 place to live. Yeah, yeah. And I want to create this because, and then more now than ever, because I've seen what it, it's all about. What's happening now in, in in the world, you know, with the COVID and all that stuff. I think we need these kind of situations more than ever. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I'm rushing through this because I know we we're, we have such limited time. Yeah, yeah, and but, I um, hate to cut. You know, I can always cut on the songs, but I always kind of like it to be at least half of the song. And yeah, yeah, and, this... And, and this is this is echoes, right? We're gonna be playing from yeah. Pink Floyd. Yeah, I well, listen, that I knew that song was a wrong song, but it's 23 minutes long. Yeah, and it but you know, it, it's about this strange landscape, right? I mean, when I first yeah. heard this song um, um, in in Texas, 
it was one of those songs that I couldn't understand because for the first, what, 10 minutes, there was no, no vocals, all instrumental. And it was such a weird phenomenon for me to, you know, I didn't understand it. I couldn't make that connection. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason why I couldn't make the connection with 2001 Space Odyssey, you yeah. know, where it's, it's very similar track in the way, you know, with visual and, 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 and music. And that was one of the, you know, I mean, they should get married and be, I mean, I think, um, I think I did it once where I turned off the sound to Space Odyssey and just played Echo with it. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite brilliant. Uh, the, it, it fits. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'm sorry we didn't get to, I mean, I did want to talk to you more about film and how it influenced us yeah. visually. Yeah. And yeah. In the landscape and all that stuff. But I think your your stories are very uh, <laughs> cinematic. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know. All right. Well. Um, so. Yeah. I, I. All right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No. 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 So it's it's enough. You know. Maybe. Maybe. I. I like it more than talking about theory of. Of things. You, yeah. you just say your story, and then it, you see that it's a lot of. It's very cinematic the way, you know. Yeah. You say it, and and it, it's like it's it's also interesting. I mean, we both know like the era which you came into yeah. this and what 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 uh what decade uh like yeah um, i know we talked a lot about the warriors and uh <laughs> well, yeah, like they, that, i think but, i think we made huge i mean that's where i know i made a great connection with you yeah. understanding your angle i mean i knew exactly where you were coming from because it was very close to mine in the way that yeah. we we're stranger in this strange land but we have these unifiers this cinematic vision of yeah. you know how it shape us and what how we see what america looks like in that yeah. through that yeah. lens you know yeah yeah i was really uh, surprised on that not everyone is in that world i thought that actually everyone in the u.s knows the film the warriors and that, that well, you can. I, well, for me, I recognize it almost immediately. I mean, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, of course. You you picked out all the right signals, all the frame for it. And it's like mm. every one of them, you know. You know, and and every. I mean, many Croatians when they go to New York, they go immediately to Coney Island. They just go to Coney <laughs> for that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the first. You know, I, I yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. want to go to MoMA or anything. I just just take me to Coney Island and. You know, <laughs> Oh yeah, well, remember? I mean, that was a creepy uh, where he had the three coke bottle in his fingers yeah. and he's yeah. clapping it. It's like warriors come out to play. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know that those kind of things resonate, and it that doesn't leave you, you know, in that way. Mm. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I think we have to really cut it. Uh, uh, kind okay. of. Yeah, yeah. It's okay, sad. but you'll play. You'll play echoes. You'll yeah, play I'm echoes. Play echoes. Yeah. So yeah, okay. thank you, Tomas. It was really nice uh, talking hey, to you. Well, thanks for thanks for this conversation. I really enjoy it. I wish we had more time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But okay. Uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I wish to. Okay. It's only one hour, you know. I think. Yeah. No. No. I no. I totally understand. I think this podcast but, uh, could it's... be like three hours. It would be okay. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you probably lose a few people. With, you know, we can be bored to death sometimes. But uh, look, <laughs> I, I just I just think I really think. Um, it's great 
of what's happening and you're even doing it when you're away you know yeah um and uh no choice good i hope to see you uh back in the states soon yeah i'm coming back and yeah i'm gonna tell you when i'm back and yeah thank you hey you have to come up here though but you know you need to come upstate and i want to say one thing i mean i i do want to put this out there for everyone if, if you're interested in this project that i'm doing you know um uh, send me a note so we can talk about your ideas of what the structure or whatever that is you know mm -hmm. i don't have that much uh fundings for it now but you know there will be funding eventually yeah. for it yeah okay, okay. And i have That's a sauna i have a hot tub i have all that stuff designed for 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 usage all year round yeah, okay I really anyway. I really need the sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you gotta come. I mean, we'll sweat, we'll sweat it out together. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Thomas. Okay. Thank you all for listening. Whoever is listening still, and um, we'll be back next week. This was Thomas Wu, and next song is Echoes by Pink Floyd. Uh, very short version. Thank you. Bye. Separate classes